okay, you have been putting it off, but no longer can you do that. You have got to get this website. You have clients who are looking for you. You have information that you need to put out there. You have a product that you're trying to sell, but you have nowhere to put these people. You know, Instagram sometimes can be funny. Facebook goes in and out. So why not have a platform, your own website that people can go to and get in contact with you to purchase your product, to find out what you have available for them at any time? What are you waiting for? Connect with Dynamic Works so that they can design a site for you and your brand that will speak when you are asleep. You heard me. <laughs> so trust them, reach out to them, connect with them so that they can design a website that will support what you are doing. Dynamicworks.com. Greetings. Thank you so very much for once again joining Declare It with Khadijah RBZ. I am super excited that you decided once again, one more week, another time to pull up your chair, sit down with me and let's share. I am so happy because my guest that I have today is a phenomenal person who is just filled with so much wisdom, so much joy, and I just want to share him with you. <laughs> so I'm not going to delay this conversation because I know that there is something that will be said today that blesses your life. So. I welcome you, Kwame Rich. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> very, very honored, very honored to be here and a part of this dialogue. Uh, as I said before, I, I've had a chance to just really enjoy what you're putting out into the universe and into to, to our little world. And yeah. it's just beautiful. And I'm honored to be a part of it. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Who is Kwame? Let's start there. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I, I think I'm, I'm like, you know, any other, you know, person trying to be mm -hmm. today. You mm -hmm. know, I have, you know, uh, fabulous upsides, uh, incredible downsides, I guess just like a movie, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we definitely have protagonists and antagonist moments in this life. I think, I, you know, if I were to summarize myself, I'm, I'm one that is really about pushing it, about pushing that envelope, mm -hmm. about seeing, you know, how fast this engine can go. Let's push these RPMs. <laughs> Let's get the most, right? Right. Yeah. Let's get the most out of this journey. I don't know that we would know what we're capable of unless we unless we push it right you know unless we see what this thing can actually do mm -hmm. so you know i th i think that's that's kind of characterized my journey okay. uh and uh that's kind of what you know i've brought to the table my my little 47 years on this planet right mm -hmm. <laughs> and 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 that that's a good thing because you know pushing yourself to see what what's in there is, yeah. is how you find out what all you are and so that's Indeed. that's amazing that's amazing so you have an organization right and yes. it is called the regeneration project indeed okay what yes, is that 
Uh, the Regeneration Project is a community service organization. We provide uh, community mental health services to at-risk youth and families. Okay. Uh, we actually uh, cut our teeth had our beginning in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Uh, we're actually coming up on our 25th year anniversary. Wow. July the 8th of 1994. That's and, uh Yeah, yeah. And throughout our tenure, you know, we've had the opportunity to uh, serve communities in Baltimore, in uh, D.C., uh, New Jersey. Uh, wow. Currently, we're in Georgia. Okay. And uh, some, some spots in between. So it's 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 been a it's been a wonderful journey, and uh, as I as I said before, it, oddly or strange enough, twenty five years later we get to look back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. So with mental health, because, well, mental health is something that's very 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 important, and there's a certain stigma that the African American community has when it comes to mental illness so have you encountered any issues with trying to build this project and how have you overcome them well yeah obviously the 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 population that we're serving Mm -hmm. you know that's that's kind of where the rubber meets the road this is going to be the young persons that are showing up on the news Mm -hmm. these are the young uh persons that are kind of you know turning the classrooms out Mm -hmm. turning the community out if you will these are the young persons that are you know uh really kind of violating the limits and rules in the community or what have you so that's the population that we serve i think you know our approach has always been you know uh these aren't monsters Right. right These aren't, and I'm and I'm talking about the mad dogs. I'm talking about the ones that, if you don't know them, they might be robbing you. Gotcha. <laughs> right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's the population that 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 we've always, you know, cut our teeth serving this population. When we began, I, I'll, I'll just kind of back up a little bit. In 1994, when we began, I was actually working for a community service organization, mm-hmm. and uh, I reconnected with a childhood friend of mine's uh, brother by the name of Rod Stokes. Okay. We hadn't seen each other since Little League Baseball. Wow. And when we reconnected in 94, working for this community service organization, it really was about, you know, providing high level wraparound services to this most at risk population. Okay. On uh, July the 8th, we got a, a page. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your audience may not even know what a pager is, but <laughs> we got we got a page that we needed to come to the office for an emergency meeting. And on that day, we learned that they had lost the contract. And as of that moment, you know, uh, we no longer had jobs. Wow. Um, obviously, you know, we didn't wake up expecting that. Right. Um, but we stepped out of that meeting, Rod and myself, and we had a word in the parking lot. What you want to do? I don't know what you want to do. Let's go back to my apartment and let's talk it out. So we went back to my apartment and, you know, as we began to talk, we became clear that we really were the driving forces behind what good was happening at this organization. Mm -hmm. And we said, well, why don't we try to 
you know, maybe do it for ourselves. So it sounded so good and it sounded like it would be easy to do, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we went from that moment and we began to just try to document, try to write down. This was before computers, by the way, <laughs> home computers. Everybody didn't have a home computer uh-huh. at that particular time. So we began to write down what we would do as a program, how we would serve this same population. Um, then we thought about who we would present this opportunity to right so when you go out into the community if you're talking about the juvenile justice department um their issue is you know containment you know Mm -hmm. keeping the community safe from this adjudicated youth this young person that's committed a crime well how can regeneration help with that right well to that audience we provide or we propose to provide to djj containment Mm-hmm. You say, what do you mean containment? Well, containment simply means that the community, that child is kept safe from doing harm in the community. And okay. more or less, we lock them up. Okay. So we present it to DJJ rather than lock them up. We can provide this same service, this containment service, but we do it through relationship. Mm. So, okay, so how does that work? Well, right. we don't need handcuffs. You know, I develop a relationship with mad dog and through my rapport through my relationship with this young this young brother yeah i have influence Mm -hmm. you know i have influence with him so i'm actually going to be able to get him to get in my car and i know that the community is safe because he's with me Mm -hmm. well djj was very intrigued by that but they also said we don't want to buy what you sell it they said no thank you so we (laughs) went on down the street and, and we presented it to this same opportunity to the local social service organization and they you know we uh shared with them that we could help them because their issue is structure you know kids come into care because they've been neglected abused abandoned parents oftentimes don't have parenting skills right so we presented to you know the local social service organization that we could actually support their cause because we would be able to provide structure uh-huh. in this household. We can support this family uh, and this parent in developing parenting skills. And they said, we're intrigued, but they said, no, thank you. We're not buying what you're selling. Uh-huh. So we had, in those early days, uh, Khadija, we had much more, or many more no's. I gotcha. uh, and the doors kind of shut in our face early on. Um, and then eventually... You know, through kind of like persevering, persevering through those no's, we got like one yes. And that one yes came from a foster care agency that that needed us to actually provide wraparound is what it was called. But basically, it's really high level mentoring Mm -hmm. to this young kid um, uh, who was being placed with the foster family. And uh, obviously, we had nothing else to do. So Rod and myself provided outstanding services to this young person uh-huh. um, such that uh, his psychiatrist said, I've never seen anything like it. This wow. kid has had an incredible turnaround. And uh, we said, thank you for the compliment. But write that down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely write it down. Yeah. So he wrote it down. Uh-huh. And, you know, we had basically our first agency reference okay right? okay and we took that reference and we we took that back to everybody who said no and we asked them again and we asked them again that eventuated of course into us being able to start to work with one child one family uh, to two child 
two children, four families, et cetera. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of skipping through that process. I'm not giving you the, you know, the, the gory details, if right. you will. Um, but in the early days, it really was a process of persevering. What was clear to us, though, that if we would be able to stabilize this young person mm-hmm. who is suffering from, you know, in most instances, it's really just kind of trauma from being abused or right. separated from their family, et cetera. A lot of times we call things, you know, we give a diagnosis as a society, but, you know, when someone is separated from their parent, what are we kind of expecting them to act like? Right. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we, what are we expecting them to do? Aren't we expecting them to be a little agitated Aren't we expecting them to be a little oppositional? Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't we expecting that they have an attitude? I mean, for better or for worse, they've been separated from their from their family of right. origin. You know, right. their birth mother, birth father, no matter what the circumstances were. Uh-huh. So they're not going to be this notion of normal. Right. Okay. So I think, you know, when you ask that question, what kind of stigmas did we come up against? Mm-hmm. Uh, our first charge was was advocacy. Right. You know, uh, setting the table for what we expected from this young from from this young person to the provider community. Hey, listen, we got to expect that this young person is going to act out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This young person. And I know that, the you know, the, the word trauma is, you know, kind of utilized often now uh-huh. uh, in our lexicon. And I don't want to be. Uh, really philosophical but trauma is simply something that's deeply disturbing deeply distressing right right i mean it's just keep it very basic Mm -hmm. and when a child experiences trauma they don't have the vocabulary to say i'm experiencing trauma or i'm anxious or you know right what do children do children they act out yeah in fact, that's what we we do as adults, right? Yeah. Until we learn better. Okay. Yeah. So I I think the number one thing that we kind of had to focus on stigma wise is changing the, the the notion of what do we expect in terms of behavior mm-hmm. from this young person. Of course, they're going to act out. They're going to have a response to the trauma that they've experienced. Right. So let me ask you this, though. And and I want to get a response to this question because I think that when people think about the basis or the foundation of the organization, were you ever fearful of these young people? And if you have been fearful or if you are fearful at times, how do you handle that moment? Because maybe this can be helpful for those who may see this type of person on the street. So instead of handling it in a negative manner, maybe there's a way that is helpful so that that's not what's put out there. Sure. I, I think that's a, that's a very important question mm-hmm. and statement because as a society, we respond to our young folk. These are babies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we respond to them, like I said earlier, like they're monsters. Right. Now, how do you feel when you are walking by someone's car and they hurriedly go and lock their door? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel 
when, you know, if you've ever experienced getting on an elevator and somebody, you know, clutch their purse title or jump off, how do you feel when somebody, you know, expects you to just wild out and it's not even like that, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're responding as if you're about to, you know, go off, if you will. Mm-hmm. It is, it's offensive. It's annoying. Uh, depending on what day, it might tick you off, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So as a collective, if you think about how we respond to our youth as a collective, uh, as a society, uh-huh. we, res- we respond to them or engage them as if they're monsters. Right. Now, you asked me about fear. Um, I, I kind of see that a little different. You know, okay. we, we ha- had group homes for many years, and in our group homes, we would only get the kids that got kicked out of every other group home, um, you know, for attacking staff and, you know, for for demonstrating physically etc those were the you know and these ain't you know these are teenagers and and young adults you know for the most part right um i think that you know what you put out attract if you're fearful Mm -hmm. then you kind of attract more of what you're fearing right i agree it's the energy that vibration Mm mm-hmm Oh, it's it's without a doubt. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're fearful, you kind of attract more yep. of what it is that you're fearing. It's like it has a radar, and that thing is really just going to zero in on you. Mm-hmm. The 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 reality is most of the fear is founded in kind of misguided interpretation, right? Ignorance. Um, ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, now. I mean, and I don't want to get too philosophical with this, but (laughs) if you think about how we function, how we function as individuals, right? Mm -hmm. We got this thing in our brain uh, called the amygdala, right? right? It's our reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. And it's basically that part of our brain that that is is where fear, flight, and fight. Mm -hmm. That's what's going on there. Fear, flight, and fight. So whenever something happens that is deeply distressing or disturbing, okay, Mm -hmm. this is just how our brains function. Right. The amygdala brain kicks in. Automatic. That part of your brain, that cerebral part of your brain cuts off. The two can't function at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the cerebral, the cerebral rather, where you're going to have your reasoning and where you're going to have your critical thinking, Mm -hmm. et cetera, that's where that's going to function. When that amygdala kicks in, you're only That's thinking it. about you only thinking about fear, right. fight, or flight. That's it. Yep. So when we're seeing our young persons, you know, and we, we're really kind of being traumatized because we keep having to see these images of them doing doing doing, you know, traumatic things over and over again. So we're being traumatized as their caregivers. Right. So we respond to them. Out of that amygdala, we're not giving us cere- as a society, we're not giving giving a cerebral, a critical thinking response. Right. Like if you put a, you know, a young kid into a, a school setting mm-hmm. where there's a lack of structure and not a lot of authority being put down, not a lot of caring, not a lot of engagement being put down in that environment. Of course, it's going to be out of pocket. Right. Exactly. Okay. So if you're asking me, am I going to engage that with fear? The answer is a resounding no. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not seeing it in a fearful way. Gotcha. I'm seeing and I'm defining that behavior 
differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I'm I'm not fearful when I'm engaging. And therefore, because I'm not fearful when I, when I engage Mad Dog, he's responding to me differently. Exactly. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you uh, I mean, a true story. And anybody who's been in this field at an entry level can relate. You, you periodically would have to take the mad dogs is mm-hmm. what I'm calling young Tavon, but you, you'd have to take the mad dogs to the, to the psychiatrists. They're the ones who prescribe the medication for the mad dogs of the world. Right. You get in there with the psychiatrists and these are the ones with, with all of the letters and the, the behind their names, et cetera. And the psychiatrist will say to Mad Dog, how you doing, Mad Dog? How do you think Mad Dog responds to him? <laughs> what you think he says to him? Well, I can tell you what he's not going to say. He's not going to say, I'm doing great, man. Nice to be here. <laughs> he's not going to say that. <laughs> That's exactly. Mad Dog ain't going to respond. Right. And the psychiatrist is, is, is not able to have that connection. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. How do you do an evaluation on Mad Dog if he ain't talking to you? Right. Right. You can't. So you you can't. So what happens is, and it's not that Mad Dog wouldn't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Mad Dog recognizes that this person is not treating me as a human. Mm-hmm. They scared of me. Mm-hmm. They scared of me. So I don't. I don't like that. Right. Now he can't articulate that, of course. But what he's going to do is shut down. So what invariably will happen is the psychiatrist will talk to the parapro, paraprofessional who had to bring him to the session Mm -hmm. and say, has Mad Dog been calm lately? You know, they have to do the evaluation to the third party. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) You know, so Uh that's that's a sense of how this provider community or treatment community even engages a mad dog they're scared of him uh-huh so, so if if mad mm-hmm. dog is living life and everybody is fearful of mad dog the people on the streets the teachers in the schools the 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 therapist or or the psychologist that's interacting mm-hmm. with them even the paraprofessional mm-hmm. even though they may you know interact with him they, there's still a certain level of fear then this puts Mad Dog in an awkward position himself, within himself. And we wonder why Mad Dog is the way he is. He can't even cultivate relationship with anybody because everybody is so fearful of him. And probably not even because of things that are um, sound, but because of perception indeed indeed Uh, you you hit the nail on the head so what is born out of that if everybody treats me like an animal right right then what am i yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) right what what am i i must be this thing that they're responding to Mm -hmm. you got me so now i'm gonna tell you the difference when i first would meet a mad dog right of course, I have his case history and all of his psychologicals and all of his evaluations. And of course, I, you know, I got that in right. my possession. I could take the time and, and go through all of that. By the time I finish that, I'm going to know that I'm about to meet a monster. Right. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to, you know, just 
disavow anything that's in an evaluation, but I'm saying it'll scare the mess out of you, right? Right, right. <laughs> By the time you read it. Um, I'm not moving like that. I want to get in the room mm-hmm. with Mad Dog. I don't necessarily even want to meet him in a traditional environment. I want to be able to go and meet him, you know, at a place where he's comfortable. Gotcha. Uh, uh, and, and this has to be, again, a non-traditional approach. You got to go and meet them where they are. So when I go and I meet him, I'm not talking when I first meet him about, you know, uh, this incident where he attacked, you know, his last foster parent or this incident where he threw a chair at the teacher. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm talking about, you know, uh, young fella, what you like to get into, man? You play ball? Right. Nah. Okay, so what you what you doing with yourself these days, man? It's organic and it's in the moment. Right. Just like you would when you meet any other person. Right. Don't we dignify them with what we call the social stage? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, right. you don't just come and go about your business. You introduce yourself. You find some commonality. Uh, you find some connection. Uh, and it would it has to be authentic and it's got to be in that moment. I'm going to guarantee that if you're able to rid yourself of these preconceived notions of who Mad Dog is and just engage him in the moment, develop a rapport, you know, uh, uh, develop a flow with him, he's he's going to respond to that. Right. You got me? Absolutely. You can't provide an intervention to Mad Dog because he's not going to allow you at this point. He don't know you. Right, right. The same way, and he ain't no different than we are. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't allow someone off the street to just come in and diagnose you with something either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? Right. So right. <laughs> they're no different. He's no different than I am in that regard. Uh-huh. You got me? So I have to dignify him with the respect of engaging him in the social stage the same way I would anybody else whom I just meet. Right. Now, what happens in that in that in that social stage? A couple of things. The same things that happen to you and I when we first meet someone. Mm-hmm. You know? When I first met uh my significant other, uh Tiffany, I didn't just walk up to her and say, put the number on the paper. Right. right? <laughs> I don't think I did that. She might say something different, but I don't think I did. <laughs> Well, I know your parents. I don't think they taught you to do it that way. <laughs> okay, all right. So I didn't do it like that. I didn't do it like that. But I had to. I had to in an in an organic way, mm-hmm. right? It had to be authentic. I had to go and I had to introduce myself, and I I had to strike up a conversation based on something in that moment that was you know that was real and that was engaging. That got it. That gave her a chance to kind of lower you know her guard so to speak uh and become more connected to what i was saying and who i was Mm -hmm. it's no different than when we have to engage mad dog right you can't start providing treatment before you done introduced yourself right and time and time and time and time again and in 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 the servant community Uh we don't honor mad dog with rapport just introducing ourselves developing you know that connection with him therefore he don't let his guards down and he don't participate Mm -hmm. 
and he doesn't get the help that he needs. Right, exactly. Okay, so I think what was different about us was, you know, we were armed and equipped with this natural skill of being able to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had a mentor early on, a brother by the name of Ross Ford, who equipped us with, you know, this service model that was just so basic in terms of it became in his model a skill to take someone through the social stage Mm -hmm. so that you can develop that therapeutic rapport so that you can then move on to imparting interventions and skills right does that make sense it makes a whole lot of sense so actually what i'm taking away is that it's important for us when we're having this interaction as you stated to take that non-traditional approach and the traditional approach would probably be more rigid and um, it's not going to allow there to be um, cultivation of relationship but you're saying to meet people where they are find an authentic commonality and I think that that's huge not just with mad dog but to keep that same thing in life in general when we're encountering people other human beings that's right (laughs) we 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 put our stereotypes and our biases to the side so that we can just be with other people and get to know people authentically indeed so huge so absolutely if someone wants to reach out to you, if someone wants to know more about the project or become a part of the project, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, okay, so in Maryland, give you our office number, uh, 410-254-7444. Okay. Regeneration-project.net. Okay. All right. All right. And in Georgia... Uh, we're and and we serve pretty much all of uh middle Georgia of uh, folk who are outside of Georgia. I think they only believe Atlanta exists in Georgia, <laughs> but <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that, a fact, <laughs> that, that is a fact, right? But there is more to Georgia than just Atlanta. But right. if you're south of Atlanta Metro, okay, any, any anywhere south of Atlanta Metro for the most part, um, is our, is our service area. Our website is on the path ga.com okay yeah now this is declare it with khadijah rbz and i just want to know what are you declaring for 2019 (laughs) what am i declaring for 2019 yes sir okay okay that's a that's a that's a that's a great question uh for 2019 i would say that um we're declaring new thought you know, oh, yeah. we 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 want to come into 2019 and we kind of want to rid ourselves of, uh, you know, what our grandmother would call stinking thinking. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Those 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 thoughts that uh, would just kind of hold us back. It's really just kind of like like an anvil around our neck. It's like dead weight. Mm-hmm. And they haven't produced outcomes for us. Yes. You know, those those thoughts of, you know, fear those thoughts of, you know, uh, unforgiveness, mm-hmm. um, you know, those those thoughts of lack and limitation. Yes. You know, those are the things that I, I would say in 2019, we want to rid ourselves and we want to uh, thoughts are things. Thoughts have power. They do. You know, and I don't it doesn't stop with just thinking the thought, but it starts with thinking the thought. Exactly. So if we can 
think something good, mm-hmm. then we will begin to say something that uh, is connected to that thought. And then we're going to begin to do something exactly. more powerfully connected to that thought. So, yeah, I think in 2019, you know, we are wiser than we were in 2018 and years prior. Those right. things that were keeping us from thriving because we're not here to just exist. Right. Exactly. We, we, we want to thrive. We mm-hmm. want to feel good about where we are in this journey, even though we're still on the come up or in the struggle. We want to feel good about our prospects, right? Right. We want to, you know, feel like we are in the process of overcoming. And we want to look back and acknowledge the things that we have overcome. So I would say uh, to a point, you know, new thought in 2019. Love it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. Now, you have this, this, this saying, fall, get up, fall again and get up again. I love it. And we've yeah. heard it before. It's not like it's, it's something that's new. Um, yeah. But just really quickly, how do you encourage others to fall and get up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and and you've got kids. We, yeah. You know, I, I've got kids. So because we've lived a little bit, we've learned that when you strike out, you know, when you didn't get the outcome that you wanted. We got a little bit of lifeline to allow us to know it's not over. Right. You know, it's not over just because, you know, you didn't get the outcome that you wanted just because you you, you put a lot into it and it didn't play out, you know, the way we wanted it to play out. It doesn't mean it's over. Right. And one of the things, the qualities that I think is is underrepresented and discounted today is is perseverance. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to you got to be able to persevere now as humans we get down Mm -hmm. this is i think it's very very important to have in our life space persons or at least a person that is going to be able to speak life into you when you need it absolutely now you you can't find it's hard to find at the time when you need it Right. That's right. It's hard to find at the time when you need it. So we're going to be a little wiser today. Exactly. We're going to try to find that person. We're going to try to draw that person into our life Mm -hmm. before we are on the downside. Right. Okay. Um, Because when you do get down, you 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 can't call people that's in the same place you are. Exactly. Right. That's right. I mean, it's it's going to be very challenging because. They're functioning out of that amygdala brain, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, you you, you got to give yourself, uh, uh, I think the game show called it a lifeline. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You got to give yourself a lifeline um, so that when you do get down, and that's a part of the journey. Part of the journey is the process of remembering, forgetting, remembering again, forgetting that's just life, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to be reminded of who and what we are because life is, is can become a mirage. It can appear to be something different. Mm-hmm. So we have to be reminded that we are capable. We have to be reminded that we can get up. We have to be reminded that it's not over. You know, we have to be reminded that, yo, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, for real. So that's that's. That's why, you know, that statement is so is so important. And I've been blessed because I, I've had um, 
you know, I've had those persons in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, some are no longer in the physical, as right. you know, as we talk about our grandmother, yeah. you know, but she still speaks to me. I don't need her. I would like for her to still be in her body, right. <laughs> but she still speaks to me yeah. and I still utilize her as my lifeline. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There yeah. is something phenomenally awesome about Margaret Rich and her legacy. Yes. Her legacy lives on, but her voice continues to resonate in the earth. And so I Indeed. am thankful for that. So thankful. So I, I know what you're That's talking right. about. That's <laughs> right. You do know. <laughs> you do know. Uh, absolutely. And another absolutely. thing that you say is pass it on. And that is something that you have done so well today. The information that you have shared on this platform is greatly appreciated. And I know that those listening will be able to walk away from today's episode a little stronger and with a little bit more courage and a little less fear and yes. stepping away from that fight or that flight um, That's right. mindset because Indeed. we can definitely grow That's more right. when we step away from that. So I appreciate That's you right. so much, Kwame. You just don't know. You just yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you for having me. I'm honored to, to, to be a part of what you're putting out into the universe again and love you much. And thank you. I love you, too. And for my listeners, this has been another episode of Declare It with Khadijah RBZ. I appreciate you once again. And remember, speak it, believe it, receive it. Have an awesome day. Hey, hello, Kai here. Have you heard that really cool podcast where three young out-of-the-box thinkers share their take on business, entrepreneurship, current events, and daily life in society today? No? Well, it's called Slightly Raw, and it's pretty awesome. Check it out on all major podcast platforms right now.